Hello, and welcome to the Thinking Reform Podcast. down here in the cage. It's been about three days since uh, Russia invaded Ukraine. And uh, we're going to talk about that this morning as, long, as well as uh, several other theological issues. And we hope that uh, everyone who listens to us walks away with uh, encouraged to think and reform and uh, adopt, the, uh, adopt the mottos of the Reformation of uh, uh, Semper Reformanda, always reforming. We believe that you can do that by thinking and reforming with a biblical worldview and a biblical mindset, believing the scriptures, the word of God delivered to us um, by his Holy Spirit and by uh, the people that he has blessed uh, to, to carry out that work. Now, Dad, what do you have for us this week? Yeah, I'm coming in hot. Um, little little upset this morning. Uh, on my way here, I had a discussion with some of my siblings we get together once a month um, on on Zoom, online, or not on Zoom, on a different WebEx, whatever, and um, we discuss stuff. Now, um, this morning I uh, told them what I was what I was doing and coming into a podcast, and uh, we talked a little bit more, and we got on the whole Ukraine thing a little bit, and of course the first thing I think of is how long are we going to keep on believing uh, our media for Pete's sake. Um, and, and, you know, my, my family, we grew up reading the Bible. Why are we still believing the media here after we've been lied to so many times? And I went right back to COVID. And I said, how many times have we been told lies? And these people are liars and murderers, right? So doesn't one of my siblings come back and say, you know, trying to, um, shall we say, calm the waters here, Right come back and say, well, you, you know, the, the, they're people too. And I'm like, you know, I, up until this moment, I thought they were robots or something. I thought the Martians had invaded. <laughs> oh, but these are human beings. And so I said to her, I said, as are all murderers, right? Mm-hmm. And again, I'm thinking, why am I even having this conversation with siblings that I grew up in a Christian home? What in the world is going on here? And I began to think of the relativism that's invaded just about everywhere. So I said, I said, here's the thing. I said, think about this. We have not believed that the population control people are serious. But we better understand something here. If the population control people are serious, and they have money, and they have power, of which they do, and they're serious, then they're going to kill people, Right? This is, this is not hard to figure out here. And it got quiet that, at that point, and we, and we didn't go on much further than that. There he goes again. Yeah, I mean, this is like simple <laughs> stuff here. If you believe in population control, you can't do that without killing people, right? I mean, I, I mean I'm not Sherlock Holmes here. I, I don't have a degree in mathematics, 
But I'm pretty sure if you want less people, you got to kill them to get there. Pretty sure. And here I am explaining this. I mean, it, it, was, it was an upsetting moment for me. Mm. And I began to think about something. I began to think about the whole relativistic thing. And I'm reading a book right now called Indian Captive, written in 1946 by Lois Lensky. She was an illustrator of uh, kids' books. And she's also an authoress. And she wrote Indian Captive, the story of Mary Jemison. And, in, and Mary Jemison was a young white girl that got captured by Indians at a young age. And her story is unique. American Indians. Unique. American Indians. Mm -hmm. Her story is unique because um, she refused to go back to leave the Indian way of life later on. So obviously she is a very sensitive person. You know, someone to be emulated, right? I mean, everybody else talks about living like the Indians, right? Yeah. One with nature and all that happy stuff. Yep. Didn't even invent the wheel. And, uh, but <laughs> no, one, no one wants to do it. Right, and so there's this passage in here that made me think of what, of my conversation, the whole relativistic thing, meaning in, in the case of my sibling, like let's let's just see the murderers as human beings too. Yeah, that's the problem. I'm I'm pretty sure, right? So let's here's something for relativism, right? The the so the the the, the girl had to make a long trip. This this young girl, Mary Jemison, and she got sick on the way. And when they arrive at where they're supposed to go, um, this one woman, um, Earth Woman, her name is, famous among the Senecas for her skills in dealing with all forms of sickness. So she looks over Mary Jemison, the captive, and here's what she sees. Silently, Earth Woman looked at the girl's thin legs and arms, examined her scratched limbs and swollen feet. She saw that her toes were worn almost to the bone from the rubbing of sand which had collected in her moccasins while fording so many creeks. Slowly, she shook her head. Then she scolded. Why did you not kill her and be done with it, she cried. It would have been more merciful. A wounded animal should be put out of its misery. And I began to think about this. What If you're going to be relativistic, if you're going to get away from the Bible, from what the Bible actually says, how long of a path is it between what my sibling says Hey, you know, let's look at these people, human beings. You know, what are you, what are you so upset about? I mean, they're only murderers. She, my sibling did not challenge me that they were murderers. She said, well, you know, they're people too. Well, how long of a, of a distance is it between what my sibling is saying and what this Indian woman is saying? Go out there, do the right thing. And speaking of pity, I just couldn't help but think a little bit of what we have in the scriptures from, De from the book of Deuteronomy. Here's Moses talking, and he's talking about a capital offense. And he says, Your eye shall not pity him, but you shall put away the guilt of innocent blood from Israel, that it may go well with you. Your eye shall not pity. And my sibling was pitying the one who is guilty of innocent blood. And that's a good way, according to what the Bible says here, that's a good way to keep the guilt of innocent blood with you. So I'm a little annoyed this morning how in the world is this happening in my own family where my, my father read us the Bible, a Christian family, this particular sibling has been in Bible college and on the mission flipping field? What in the world is going on? Hmm. Rant over with for now. <laughs> I, uh, I just finished a book um, called uh, Nine Years uh, Among the Indians uh, by a guy named uh, Herman, uh, Herman Lehman. And he was captured by the worst, the worst of the worst. So you have the Apaches 
and he actually left the Apaches for the Comanches, who are oh, worse, who are worse than, than the Apaches. You know, the uh, the um, the universal signal that the that the Western Plains Indians used to describe the Comanches because they did sign language because there's language barriers, right? So they all had some sort of you know sign language. You know what the symbol for Comanches was? They take their hand, they put it across their chest like that, and they wiggle it like that. Snake. That's what all the other tribes called the Comanches. Call them snakes. You got to be pretty bad if the other Indians are calling you a snake. And uh, so he left. He left the Apaches to join up with the Comanches. And um, I thought it was interesting that at the end of the book, he gets deprogrammed, essentially, by the, uh, by the European folks that, that had left. He, mother welcomed and siblings welcomed him back. And, you know, if it was a Hollywood movie, they'd get a preacher in there and they'd whip him. I'm going to whip the Indian out of this boy and all that kind of stuff. And, ah, ah, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But at the end, he said, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful that... I'm so thankful that uh, my mom loved me and my people, the people in this community were patient with me. Nobody, like, nobody grabbed me and whipped me. You know, they, they, they were very kind. I stole from them. You know, I spent, you know, a long time because I was still an Indian among them. And he said, I'm just, I'm glad I'm not an Indian anymore because I was a murderer. Because if you read the book, every chapter he's killing somebody. Him and his friends are killing somebody. Came across someone, killed him, took his horses. Came across this guy, killed him, took his horses. Came across this guy, didn't want to take his horse, we just killed him, you know. That kind of a thing. And uh, it, it goes back to the Indians were murderers. I mean, there's no getting around it. They, 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 I mean, there were peaceful tribes, but the peaceful tribes were getting killed by the murderous tribes. And, and, and it was only a matter of time before they were extinct. And my problem with the, with the Indians is talking about that book there. In the European community, it always seemed like there was a voice among the Europeans saying, we got to stop killing innocent people. There was always a voice. Yeah, the Europeans sometimes killed the, or oftentimes killed the Indians and the women and children, and that was wrong. But there was always a voice in the community saying, hey, that's wrong. You shouldn't do that. The Christians were always there to say, stop, right? Don't do this. Las Casas and, you know, the, uh, uh, you know uh, South America. But there was always a voice. But where was the voice among the Indians saying, we can't do this anymore. We've we got to stop raping people. We've got to stop and change our ways because it's wrong. There was never a voice among the Indians doing that. But there was always a voice among the Europeans saying that. But there was never a voice among the Indians saying that. Yeah, and in order to keep that narrative going, you have to tell a certain amount of lies. For example, in, in, in the story, I think this part is made up, of, I'm sure, there's a speech by one of the chiefs to a young boy who wants to return Mary Jemison. Um, and I think this whole part is completely made up. He said, well, she's sad. What can we do about her? Right. Okay. And um, she, she's very sad. And this and this um, Indian chief uh, comes down against the pale-faced people come in mighty streams from over the great waters. They come to our forests, our streams, our meadows. They kill our men. They kill the animals. The Great Spirit has given us for food and clothing. They they spoil our hunting and so forth. This is the classic thing, Hollywood. And this book was written in 1946, so this stuff's been going on for quite a while. And he goes on to say this. This is a serious lie. Their horses and cows eat uh, the grass our deer used to feed on. Okay, true. Now listen to this. They have no respect for the forest. They chop down trees not for use, but merely to destroy them. I'm pretty stinking sure that these, these Europeans on the edge of existence didn't have the time 
to go out with their axe and chop down the trees. They could say, timber, everybody, get out of the way. Oh, wasn't that exciting? Let's chop down another one. But, I mean, this are kind of lies that, 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 that sneak in there right. that, that's going to distort your idea of what's, of what's really going on. Mm. And the, it, this stuff can't, cannot be sustained without that type of lie being snuck in there. All I can think of is that stupid Bambi movie, which I hate. <laughs> yeah, you know, the hunters come in, right? And the next thing we have Bambi's mother, right? And Bambi says, what's happening, mother? Man is in the forest. Man has come into the forest. And man who wants to hunt deer, knowing deer like live in the forest, right? Yeah. First thing he does was to burn it down. Right? <laughs> the, the, these kind of lies that just sneak in all the time. Mm-hmm. And then we believe them. Right. Because of our soft sentiment. You know, I, 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 wish, I wish the Christians w- w- would trade in, give us a soft heart and a hard head. Right, but with our ignorance of abortion, we've got a hard heart and a soft and head. Frankly, a very soft head. Mm. Have you seen? You know, speaking of Russia, have you seen the the video that's going around of the Russian army training? I haven't seen it. They're like grabbing guns and shooting them. They're shooting themselves point blank in the body in body armor and and standing there and taking it like a man. That's their training, you know. And this might be like the elite of the elite. I don't know if it's basic Russian army. But they do this pretty much this this highlight reel of what the Russian army is doing to train their people. Yeah, and I, I'm just assuming it might not be the Russian army. Maybe it's the Croatian army. I don't know. But somebody made it and said this is the Russian army. Here's what they're doing, and they're smashing cinder blocks. They're lighting themselves on fire. They're they're going through rigorous training, and then it cuts over to the American army, and it's a bunch of girls in a barracks, and they're doing like a uh, they're doing like a flash mob dance, like they're dancing and stuff like that. You know, and 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 it, it concludes with like this is not going to end well, you know. <laughs> but that that's that's a, that's an example of a, a hard heart and a soft head. Yeah, yeah, Joel. I think you when you talked about the uh, relativism as you started. <clears throat> what? Well, yes, relativism indeed, but humanism at heart behind it. You know, er, everything really comes down to Christian value or humanist value. Yep. It. it yeah. We we it's true. need to start it's calling true. it what it is. Plus. You know, you say it's written in 1947, but I can point you to John Wayne movies, right, and from the 30s, where they're they're handling the Indians with, you know, kid gloves. Yes, it was cowboys and Indians, right? And when we were kids, we played cowboys and Indians, and the cowboys were the good guys, and the Indians were the bad guys. But uh, in the movies, uh, it was the poor noble savage, and and that's from when they started making movies. So it's been with us a long, long yeah. time. Uh, and, and a not very clear view of what the Indians did. That, that commercial from, was it the late 60s, where the poor Indian chief is looking at the polluted river? Oh, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. The, and the tear yeah. runs down his cheek. I don't know if you've ever seen it. <laughs> I have you, seen some it. Of, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, okay, we're the old guys. Luke is looking at me like, what is he talking about? Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, I remember. But it, it influenced a generation of people saying, oh, these Indians are in tune with nature. And we polluters are not. But the Indians stayed someplace until they had so thoroughly fouled it that they, that they moved. That's why they didn't have property. That's why it's so difficult to, for me, when, when uh, people are talking about, well, we stole their yeah, land. Yeah, I know. They didn't, have, they, they didn't have a concept of land. They do now. Right. You know, right. they've adopted the European models of ownership, but yeah. they didn't own the land. They just they moved around on it until it was so 
polluted that they had to move. I, I, yeah, I, I That's wonder. That's not true of every tribe, but it, it. Right. But I wonder about the Indian idea of ownership because <clears throat> people praise them. They say the Indians are so great they didn't own it. Everybody owned everything. Nobody said, this is mine, this was ours, and all that kind of stuff. And, and then they make the claim, well, you stole my land. And, and um, the, the, those two claims are not jiving to me. They, they don't make sense. And, and I'm wondering if they saw the European concept of ownership and then they said, oh, no, that makes a lot of sense. And in that sense, they could say, okay, you stole my land, right? But, but you can't have both. You've got to either commit to this is mine, it's not yours, and you stole it. Or we don't own anything, so therefore you could not have stolen anything. You've got to commit to either one. You can't have them both. But to be fair, they did trade, you know. Peter Minuet traded beads, so they they had some concept. I, I don't I don't want to, you know, I don't want to speak out of complete ignorance. Which, right. You know, somebody's going to listen to this and say you are completely ignorant. <laughs> uh, but the, apparently, the the attack on Wounded Knee started with a, a fight over ownership. Yeah. That's apparently what how that got start uh, apparently got started because they were disarming the Indians, and one Indian said, "I traded for this gun. This is expensive." I'm not giving this up, which I would definitely be in his shoes, I'd say. But by that time, they had a lot of interaction with the Europeans. That's true. And the concept was now going to be spreading. Yeah. I think there's another angle here, too. Um, to, to, to Joel's example of, uh, of this discussion he had with people who are well-grounded in, in, in the basics of Christianity— uh, Back to our motto for the Mid-Atlantic Reformation Society, think and reform. And I think, I think uh, it, it goes so much to people's either inability or, or not having the desire to yeah, think. Unwillingness. Uh, unwillingness to think, yeah. Yeah, because I, it, it's, it's not that people don't you, – you, you talk about humanism. If you have a discussion with many Christians about humanism, they understand it. They understand what's wrong with it. You can sit down and go through it, and they'll, you'll, you'll be in total agreement. But then a situation comes up, and they immediately draw a humanistic conclusion because they're not, uh, they're not in the habit of, of testing everything and thinking uh, through to come to a, a proper conclusion before they, before they run off and, and say wrong things. Well, yeah, talking uh, this week to uh, Pastor Matruella, saying and he was saying, you know, we have all our doctrinal statements about total depravity, but who actually believes it? Mm-hmm. I just can't believe that the hospitals are killing people. I, I just can't believe it. Well, how many dead people do you want? Mm-hmm. And I, I had to point out to my siblings today that my daughter-in-law comes from a Midwestern town. And her mother, my daughter-in-law's mother, works with a, she's in the medical field, and she works with a local, works very closely with a local um, funeral home. Up until 2020, 21, excuse me, it was an average of three to four stillborns they work with a, a year. A year. A year. A year. Now, that's three to four too many, but, you know, in, in, in a mid-sized town, thankfully it's not more. In 2021... In August, they had, in August in 2021, after the vax, which is going to save everybody's lives, everybody should get it, right? They had 20. They, they had 22. Oh. 22 by August of 2021. And that's wow. one funeral. That's one funeral home stillborns. Wow. 
right? Wow. And I had to point this out this morning. You know, like, this is a coincidence, right? This has nothing to do with jabs and, 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 and whatnot. How many, I mean, what's the evidence here? But we already have the evidence. Paul lays it out. Mm-hmm. Their, their feet are swift in running to mischief. Destruction and misery are in their ways. We don't believe it. I, I, I maintain yeah. we don't believe it. We don't. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I hear more people saying, I don't understand it. They believe it. They see it with their own eyes. But they, they don't understand. Well, why? I, I don't get it. I, I, this thing I keep hearing. I don't get it. I don't get it. But it's the same real problem. Is you know, the, the, Have we incorporated... Uh, it brings me back yeah. to 2008 with the financial crash and the, uh, the, the, the uh, trillion-dollar bailouts of the big boys and all of that. I was having a, a discussion at work with a guy who was a very smart guy. But I, I, I mentioned what was going on, and he looked at me and he said, why would they do that? <laughs> right. Maybe it's for the bailout. I, I, didn't even, I didn't even continue the conversation. I thought... Where do I even start to answer that question? Why? Why would they do that? I mean, I mean, I, I would have to. I would have to set up a. If he doesn't, if if, if he asks that question, you'd have to set up a six-week course for him just to answer that question. <laughs> yeah. and, and this was a well-educated, smart guy. Yeah, and and not to get too far down the bunny trail, but uh, in in September of 2019, the overnight repo rate, the repo. Uh, the repurchase agreements between uh, banks on, for overnight loans exploded. The, the interest rates exploded, and nobody could understand why. There's still been no explanation. Now, this is September of 2019. So uh, w- when I saw this stuff starting to happen in February of 2020, I'm thinking, aha, th- this, well, let's, let's engineer a crisis so we can hand out money without people asking why because the banks were in serious trouble, serious trouble. They, an overnight repurchase agreement it happens all the time. It happens every day between every bank. It, it just it goes on and on. And it's, that's what the repo market is. And it's like a percent per annum interest. It's, it's like a non, non-interest. And it, it spiked to 10%. And all of a sudden, banks wouldn't lend to each other overnight which implied that something had blown up either in the derivatives market, somebody lost a book, whatever. And uh, it, there's a possibility that all of this COVID started as hmm. a cover hmm. to hand out a couple of trillion dollars wow. without anybody asking a question why. And I haven't heard, you know, nothing. I haven't heard, <laughs> you don't hear anything about that. And we've just handed out gazillions of bucks. Well, it's interesting. It would be interesting to know if that's the case. But we already know that something like that is, is the case. Right. I mean, yeah. those, something those, nefarious. Those, those kind of things are, are what moves all these, yes. all these yeah. world events. Yeah. 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 The, the, the mystery is not are wicked people plotting to do wicked things. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's exactly. just kind of like what? That's it, a, yeah. When does it look stop? Like? Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and just to clarify here... You know, we're not asking that you believe every single conspiracy theory about how wicked these people are. You know, think and reform doesn't Absolutely. mean that, you know, uh, they, they, there's a story about uh, uh, the wickedness and they're, they're terrible, therefore it's true. We're not saying that. But can you please believe that wicked people 
could do that. That's a good point. They could go that far and kill babies. They're already killing babies. Guys, we're already killing babies. To, to say that we're killing old people in hospitals is not a stretch. In fact, it would be a stretch. I'm, easy, I'm more willing to believe that we're killing old people in hospitals than we are to be killing innocent children. But we're already committed to the worst thing you could possibly do, and that is kill a child because it's inconvenient. And so everything, everything after that is like not even remotely close to being that wicked, to, in my mind. We've embraced the worst possible thing. Everything after this is, is, is just maintenance. And, and and we're not asking you to believe every conspiracy theory, but can you please say, oh, wow, you know, I could see them doing that. Yes, man is that wicked. And if you don't look at yourself and, you, and, and you're not concluding that I could do that too, but for the grace of God, I would be doing that thing, then there's a serious problem in your own life where you say, if, I'm, I, if I wouldn't be doing that, then they probably wouldn't be doing that either. There's probably some sort of self-protection going on in there. I'm not going to conclude that, but I suspect when people say, oh, no, they would never do that, I, I suspect a lot of times what I'm hearing is I would never do that. And I, I hope that's not true, but um, the total depravity doesn't say believe, believe everything about, how wicked, um, uh, about what wicked people are doing. Just, just believe that they could. They are capable. Man's wickedness is capable of doing that thing. John, what do you have for this uh, this week? Well, Luke, I had an opportunity this week to visit uh, the topic of church incorporation. You know, the five hundred one c three church incorporation issue. Yes. And um, I, I just wanted to rehearse it here uh, to to bring it out uh, because people say that in one breath, five hundred one c three corporation. Yeah. There are two issues. There's corporation, and then there's tax policy. Uh, they're, they're really separate issues. Um, and I, I just wanted to uh, point out that people think that, that, that there are all these advantages to incorporating for the church, right? What do you hear about uh, when you hear about incorporation? Well, um, you hear that ha- the corporation has limited liability. Uh, you hear that it exists in perpetuity. Uh, and it can hold a title to the church building, right? But then they never talk about the fact that a corporation can sue and be sued, uh, which is very much more difficult if you're operating as a church, uh, as a trust, as a church entity. Um, But then the other part of it is that the the corporation is a creature of the state, right? And, And we talk about all the time uh, here at Morse, uh, the, the the seeming impotence of the church in, in America, right? And it's a sovereignty issue, right? Uh, I am the Lord your God uh, who brought you uh, out of the land of Egypt. You shall have no other gods before me. Um, and that's, that's a claim for sovereignty. That's a claim for absolute sovereignty over the church that Christ died for. And if you incorporate as a church, you are giving the state sovereignty because one of the other, uh, you know, if you are incorporated, you must obey the laws of your incorporation and you have no constitution. A corporation doesn't have constitutionally protected rights like a church does. Hmm. Um, and so we've given up sovereignty. And so why are we surprised at the impotence of the church? Hmm. And, and They're agents of the state. They are agents of the state. Not only that, um, you are uh, 
one of the uh, there was a, a, a Supreme Court case in 1906 um, that that it, it implies that the, the Supreme Court decision said that corporation incorporation implies that you are going to act to the benefit of the public good. Well, who gets to define that? Right. Mm. So the, there's that. So we have that whole corporation issue to to visit. And we, we really need, as churches, we need to examine what it is that we think that we're getting out of incorporation. Now, you know, the church I belong to uh, does not, is not incorporated. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we choose to operate as a non-incorporated nonprofit association, uh, which in Pennsylvania, that's, that's, that's uh, there's code sections for that. There, there's Pennsylvania code that deals with that. We could own a property uh, if we should desire. Just, just to clarify, John, I, yeah. I, I believe I'm correct that in order to be 501c3 tax exempt, you have to first incorporate. Yes, I was going to get to that. That's okay. it. it they're, they're, but they're two different issues. There's corporation by itself, and that, that's the other benefit that people think about when they incorporate. Oh, it's because I can be a 501c3 corporation, which, uh-huh. which protects me. Uh, from having to um, to pay taxes, and it makes my, uh, makes the donations that we collect tax deductible, as long as we abide by the rules of our corporation, which of course muzzles any political speech, mm-hmm. not any political speech, but most political speech from the pulpit. And so there's there's the tax issue, and I, one of the things about uh, about the taxes, you know, well let me back up here with corporation that. You have very limited liability as a church anyway, right? So it, you want to incorporate for your limited liability. But as a church, if you operate as a church, uh, it's very difficult to sue a church because a church is the whole group of people. Who, who do you sue? You can't really grab a hold of that. So the limited liability issue is kind of a non-starter all, all, to, to, to begin with. And churches, because uh, the state shall make no law regarding the imposition or the the establishment of religion establish, yeah, right the free all, practice all thereof right yeah. or the practice thereof so you, you're already exempt you know the the church and state separation is is enshrined in the first amendment and so you have your tax exemption you're accepted from taxes as a church already and and as a ch- as a church if you're operating as a church the donations are automatically tax deductible I want to read, there's two things I want to read from here. First of all, here from the IRS publication number 526. It's, it, this is talking about the deductibility of, of uh, donations to a church. It says, organizations that qualify to receive deductible contributions. That's the title of this little section in 526. You can deduct your contributions only if you make them to a qualified organization. Oh. To become a qualified organization, most organizations... Other than churches, <laughs> as described below, must apply to the IRS. Mm. So, you know, it, people to read right over that. Mm. And they don't realize that the IRS is saying churches are already, you know, the donations there, they're already tax deductible. Mm. So there's that. How is that so widely missed? People don't want to know. People want to be incorporated. People want to be Part, part of the part there, of the team. Right? It's a business, Jim. How many churches do you know? Almost every one that I'm, I'm going to guess. Most of the churches that you know 
operate as a business mm. with the pastor as the CEO and the board of elders operating as the board of directors. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's point. a business. Uh, let's talk about this, this little church went to market is a great book yeah. from those years ago. Gary Gilly. Yeah. yeah. You know, where he says, if you look behind this curtain of a mega church and all you see is a money-making machine. It's, you know, and, and that's true for a lot of churches. The other thing I wanted to read here is this is, this is from a Supreme Court decision in 1983, Bob Jones University versus the United States. And the Supreme Court said this, the court asserts that an exempt organization must demonstrably serve and be in harmony with the public interest. It must have a purpose that comports with the common community conscience, must not act in a manner that's affirmatively at odds with the declared position of the whole government. Taken together, these passages suggest that the primary function of a tax-exempt organization is to act on behalf of the government in carrying out governmentally approved policies. That's, wow. that's a decision of the United States Supreme Court in Bob Jones versus the United States. So why do we want to be uh, signing up with Caesar for all of these supposed benefits when we have all these supposed benefits already enshrined in, in our law. And so, I, you know, it's something that I, I had to, I had to give a little bit of a presentation on this this, uh, this week uh, at a meeting I was at, and, and it just struck me as something that we should probably talk more about. And for folks listening, um, you know, if your church is a 501c3 corporation, it, you can uh, take your churches away from that. It, it's a lengthy process, uh, but you can... Uh, you can pull yourself out of it. Uh, it seems to be, um, in, uh, biblically speaking, biblically speaking, it seems to have no value at all. Five hundred one being five hundred one c three. Biblically speaking, yeah, uh, no value. May, maybe, maybe L- legally uh, speaking, or legally whatever, speaking, perhaps, yeah. perhaps you know, because now oh, look, we can call ourselves a, a corporation now and all that, and we can run it like a business. But that seems to me to be counterintuitive to what the Bible desires for a church to be. Yeah, yeah, John, John yeah, your point Christ about did, being... Christ didn't die on the cross so he could be incorporated to yeah, the state. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know what? You're, that uh, discussion there, John, has straightened something out for me here. Um, some of you know who, who Rod Dreher is, right? For the, writes for the American uh, Conservative. Yeah. On January 31st, he wrote an article um, for the American Conservative called Secret Activists Queering... Queering... I'm saying it correctly, not clearing, queering evangelical churches. Now, the queering, I think, will result in a clearing. Okay, um, but it's not, it's, uh, just to make sure, it's not querying, like asking, no, no, querying. No, 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 no. it's, it's, it's uh, perversion yeah. querying yeah. Is, is what's going on. But here's why I'm gonna, I, I say it it's, may result in a clearing. We've talked before about how this COVID thing is, is splitting the, the, the visible church. And there's no reason anymore for churches at all to go along with the narrative like they did um, so enthusiastically, quite frankly. Let's face it. The churches, for the most part, weren't uh, like dragged kicking and screaming into this. They couldn't wait, in many cases, to go above and beyond what even the CDC was recommending at the time. Yeah. They, they, they were just so excited and to be able to show, aren't we great Christians? Uh, just just be able to say that you know we're not we're loving our neighbor here as if when this is over, all the um, all the mask wearing people will come rushing down the aisle uh, for a public show of salvation uh, as the organ plays just as I am without one plea. Uh, I, I think it's happened the opposite way. I think they're leaving the churches. 
In any case, to John's point, uh, in, in this article that Rod Dreher writes, he writes about um, churches that are experiencing, that are being threatened with lawsuits by trans people who've come in, become members, and are suing for their rights as full members. And I'm thinking to myself, John, how do you sue for right your, your rights mm. as a full member? Uh, I'm thinking that. Like, I don't even know how you do it. But now you do know. Now I do know. Yeah. You can be you can be sued, and when you're part of the organization, you get all the the the, the taxes of organization. Do you not get all the rights and privileges of of every of everyone else? Now, if you're not five hundred one c three, so you came in here, yeah, you you remember, yes, yeah, so what? You know, some people get to be ushers, some people don't. But now, and and these pastors are scared, according to the article. They say they don't have the money to defend themselves, and I'm thinking again. Well, How's this working? Mm. How are you getting sued for this? Yeah, yeah. I just found out. One of the things that uh, that I heard that was very distressing during the COVID nonsense, uh, talking with, uh, I think I heard this from you, Luke. We were talking. You were talking to a guy who uh, you asked, "What are the justifications justifications for closing church?" And, and top of his list was insurance. Yes, insurance. Insurance reasons. You don't think that that's a business? Yeah, yeah, really, really, right. yeah. yeah, it's true. Yeah, say say no more. Yeah, from from this article I read, it's my short. friend told me there's serious concern among the denominations lawyers that these undercover trans activists has found a, activists have found a legal way to force these congregations to capitulate on trans issues or face ruinous lawsuits. They have to be five hundred one c three. And and I you know I think the, the split is going to keep on coming. You know, maybe these trans people. Are going to be the one to smoke out the real churches from the fake ones. COVID just, hasn't done it. Just let us get married. That's all we ask. Yeah, yeah. Just let us get married. That's it. We won't make you celebrate it. We won't make you do anything. We just want to get married. And now we're we're, we're suing. Yeah. We're, we're, but but like it might be a good thing. Hey, you know what? <laughs> it just might be a good thing. We we couldn't separate ourselves out. Uh, God, in the end, God will have His way. Yeah, he, he will identify his true church one way or the other. Oh, yes, you you've, you you uh, referenced our friend Matt Truella earlier. Uh, Matt's absolutely giddy about the COVID and how it's drawn the lines on the mm. churches. I mean, he oh, yeah. he's he's so pleased yeah. that the churches are showing their colors. Yeah, and, uh, and that's a really good point. It, it goes back to that um, that statement made by um, Paul Washer, which. It's, it has has just cleared up so much in my mind. You know, he just with one with one statement, he just he just washed away so much fog in my mind. But he but he said that you know I've I've heard recently that I may have said this on the podcast before, but I'm going to say it again because I'd love it. He said I heard recently that pastors are starting to some pastors out there are starting to get rid of the uh, term pastor and are starting to call themselves life coaches. And I thought, oh, man, that's, that's so messed up. You should call yourself a pastor. You should own that title. And then, and then Paul Washer comes in, and he's not done yet, and he's not done with his statement. He says, and I'm glad because you're not a pastor, and I'm glad you're not calling yourself that anymore because you're not a pastor. And I said, boy, was I wrong. I got red-pilled in, like, really short <laughs> amount of time. But that statement cleared up so much, so much fog in my mind. Because I was operating under that silliness, uh, but a lot of silliness in my mind was washed away. I heard that the pastors are not calling themselves pastors anymore; they're calling themselves life coaches, and I'm so glad that they are because now people won't be confused about what you are anymore. You're not a pastor. 
Great. Be a life coach, but you're not a pastor. That's great in my mind. Jim, what do you got for us this week? All right. Um, frame the things that I'm about to cover with the idea that, that uh, the events that go on and, and history and so forth are, are never static. There's always a direction. And I think when you, when you look at things that are going on, the first thing you need to analyze in your mind is, where is this, where is this headed? What's the long-term trend? What's this do for the future? And of course, um, where did it come from in the past? Years ago, during the uh, height of the Cold War, we had the communist, the Soviet Union, and uh, it was not fashionable to be anti-communist. It was not fashionable to be against the Soviet Union. Uh, the Soviet Union was spreading communist subversion all throughout the world. Uh, it was a military threat. I think that was probably overblown for various purposes and reasons. Uh, uh, nevertheless, it was a military threat. And if you were one of those who tried to sound the alarm, tried to alert people, you were, you were not popular with the media at all. It's interesting that, that uh, in, in the progression of history, what has happened in Russia for the last uh, 10 or 20 or so years, um, things have gotten much better. Not perfect, long way to go, but things have gotten much better. And now all of a sudden, it's, uh, you're, you're really cool if you hate Putin, and it's okay to hate Russia. In Russia today, um, well, to back up a little bit, uh, many of our listeners, probably most of our listeners, are familiar with Alexander Solzhenitsyn, he, who wrote the, the Gulag Archipelago in 1973. He, was, he, was, uh, he had his citizenship in the Soviet Union stripped for writing that book, and he wound up in the United States. Uh, the, the book was basically a chronicle of the, uh, of the horrors that took place in, in the uh, uh, Soviet concentration camps under Stalin and so forth. Um, he eventually went back to Russia, I think in 1994, after, uh, after it was largely decommunized. And... Uh, Today, his book, The Gulag Archipelago, is required reading in Russian schools. Wow, I didn't know that. Required reading. It must be taught to 16 and 17-year-olds in Russian schools. Wow. I'm, I'm it, guessing not here, though. I'm, I'm, no, 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 you don't have uh, to. Oh, okay. No, right, yeah, no, no, you don't, don't have right. to. Don't well, you have, have to be to able to read. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's, what, here's what Putin said about Solzhenitsyn's book. Without knowing what is laid out here, we will not have a full understanding of our, of our country, and we will have difficulty thinking about the future. So Putin is, is apparently the, the uh, mover and shaker behind having Solzhenitsyn taught in Russian schools. 
Second item, in 2014, the Russian government sponsored a conference that had between 1,000 and 1,500 delegates from all around the world. The net title of the conference was Large Family and the Future of Humanity, was mm. the, the name of that wow. conference. Okay. Here's Sounds an good. E here's an excerpt from the opening uh, statement of that two-day conference. The, it reads a little bit funny, and I think that's probably because it's, it's, it's uh, translated from Russian to English. But anyway, here it is. The significant magnitude of the current global instability is caused by the sensate culture and a modern-day dimension in world history. The destruction of moral standards such as goodness, truth, and beauty, and a destruction of faith in a created natural order that distinguishes good from evil. So that was the opening statement from a conference that was sponsored by the Russian government. The and bad guys. Yeah, 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 the bad guys. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the bad guys. I'm gonna uh, one one more uh, one more thing here. There's a little bit of reading here. I apologize if it's a little bit long, but it's such good stuff. I just have to, I just have to read it. I'm not reading nearly the entire thing, uh, but the what I'm what I'm doing here is I'm quoting Vladimir Putin from an article from CNS News. Russian President Vladimir Putin, a former lieutenant colonel in the KGB, strongly criticized the woke social justice warriors in the United States and Europe, arguing that they believe just like the Bolshevik communists did in the former Soviet Union. They are ruled by a dogmatism bordering on absurdity, he asserted, noting that cancel culture is nothing more than reverse discrimination and teaching children that sexuality is flexible is potentially a crime against humanity. That's Vladimir Putin. Further down, we look in amazement at the processes underway in the countries which have been traditionally looked at as standard bearers of progress, said Putin. Some people in the West believe that an aggressive elimination of entire pages from their own history, reverse discrimination against the majority in the interest of a minority, and the demand to give up traditional notions of mother, father, family, and even gender. They believe that all these things are mileposts on the path towards social renewal. We have a different viewpoint, at least the overwhelming majority of Russian society, it would be more correct to put it this way, has a different opinion on this matter, he said. We believe that we must rely on our own spiritual values, our historic tradition, and the culture of our multi-ethnic nation. The advocates of so-called so social progress believe that they are introducing humanity to some kind of a new and better consciousness, said Putin. The only thing that I want to say now is that their prescriptions are not at all new. It may come as a surprise to some people, but Russia has been there before. And I'm not going to read too much more. I'm skipping a lot. Um, he says, I repeat, this is nothing new. In the 1920s, the so-called Soviet culture traegers also invented some new speak, believing that they were creating a new consciousness and changing values that way. And as I've already said, they made such a mess that it still makes one shudder at times. Calling a spade a spade, this verges on a crime against humanity, and it is being done in the name and under the banner of progress. 
Hmm. So uh, maybe this sheds some light on why our media and our government hate Vladimir Putin. Hmm. And it needs to be taken into consideration with regard to what's happening this week, actually, with the uh, uh, strife between Russia and the Ukraine. Well, I, I you know, uh, listening to that, it's it's a scary when I, I I agree with that guy more than I agree with ninety nine percent of the people in in our own government. In, and, and, maybe, maybe in our churches. And in our churches too, right? <laughs> yeah. Calling a spade a spade is a, is a, is now a crime against humanity. And and now the people who believe that it's a crime against humanity want to tell me that he's the bad guy. Um, I, I'm, I'm like you said, like I, I'm just not. I'm not willing to believe. I'm not willing to commit to that. To me, that's 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 too much of a commitment. And and another thing is too much of a commitment. For example, do you guys see that apartment building attacked this morning? No. There's a not missile this flown into an apartment building in Ukraine. Okay, no, I didn't see it. Allegedly. Yeah, I don't know what's going on anymore, right? I don't trust anyone. However, there's no plane, there's no helicopter. It's just you see an apartment building has a camera, and you just see a missile fly into an apartment building. Just bam, nothing. Nothing flies by. Uh, no other missiles go off. It's just a random missile goes into an apartment building. And I'm thinking, why would you do that? Just fly a missile into in, in if you're Russia. Right? Unless you're trying to terrorize. If you're trying to terrorize everybody, that's how you would do it. But, but um, you know, Russia has a specific goal they're trying to achieve here. And I don't think that they're trying to just randomly kill people. And my, my thought right now is I don't believe that that was Russia. I am I, willing to believe that that was some Westerner with, 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 with the capability of a missile just flying it in to say, oh, look what Russia did. To, to get yeah, other people angry and involved. Yeah, I've read reports that, that uh, the actual civilian casualties are extremely unusually low. Yes. And, and that the targets have been very surgically uh, targeted at, at, at military. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to know why. I mean, how long have we been, like, bombing people indiscriminately here? United States. Yeah. With conservatives backing the whole thing. Bomb them. You know, it's like old McDonald's farm. Here a bomb, there a bomb, everywhere a bomb, bomb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bomb a, a wedding party, but it's okay because they're Muslims. Right? Yeah, yeah, or, right, or whatever, right. right? We've been doing this. Greater good. Yeah. 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 Uh, but they're not allowed to bomb. You know, hey, you, you, Cuban Missile Crisis, right? You got to get those missiles out of there. Forget about Cuban being a so sovereign nation or whatever, communist, whatever, which didn't seem to bother too many people. I don't think communists bothered FDR all that much, quite frankly. But anyway, <laughs> um, you, you know, you got to get those missiles out of there, right? Well, I'm, pr I, 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 I'm not a cartographer, not a map guy, but I can read them a little bit. And I looked at a map and I discovered something. That Cuba is a lot further away from Washington, D.C. than the Ukraine is from Moscow. Yep. Kind of something to consider here. Yeah, yeah. Before 2014, uh, Mos or, or Ukraine had a pro-Moscow, popularly elected premier, overthrown in 2014 by a CIA-backed coup. This is common knowledge here. Who was who then steered everybody towards NATO? And and Putin, I think, has a point here. 
Why does NATO exist? NATO existed to protect us from the communists. Putin isn't a communist. Now, what is NATO protecting from? Right, right. I think that's a fair question. I want to hear an answer to that question from somebody. Mm-hmm. What is NATO protecting Europe from? Mm-hmm. Somebody answer that for me, please. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> I don't want to be an apologist for Russia. I mean, Putin's no saint. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and Yeah, let me interject here. I'm... I'm giving what I found to be some really radical examples that almost shocked me, and and I cherry picked. <laughs> okay, I, 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 I get I'm, it. I'm sure I can cherry pick some things. I'm not going to let you apologize too much here, Jim. I'm not going to let it happen, because I, I want to know who the good guys really are now. Okay, we've identified right, Putin, the bad right. guy. All right, the terrible guy. Uh, Identify as a bad guy who, 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 by the people who lied to us again and again about COVID, right? I want to know who the good guy, good guy is, and you better not say Joe flipping Biden, right? <laughs> don't say NATO either. Don't, no, none of that. I want to know who the good guy is. So, Jim, I don't want to. I, I, yeah, yes, Putin is, is no saint. The guy, the guy's a well, KGB he, freaking he, colonel he's, for Pete's sake. He's a politician. What, what yeah, more do yeah. you need to know? And so, and so, we don't really, really know. But I, I'm really off-put by these American media people who have suddenly found their moral compass when it comes to Russia. Yeah. Mm. And, you, yeah. You, and yeah. you corner any, any one of them, and they're going to say, probably, Stalin, Putin, who's, who's worse? Okay, I'm pretty sure uh, Putin hasn't set up concentration camps right. and murdered gazillions of people. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many, but he's no Stalin. And so the people that hate him now never really had a problem with Stalin. Yeah. So what's up? Well, they were the ones that were making fun of us when we had a problem. Yes. So, 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 so what's up? So uh, uh, i got to stop you from apologizing here, Jim. <laughs> Your apology tour has to stop here. <laughs> hey, Jim, you, you started off by t- saying let's couch this in terms of the long-term view, which, you know, that's always the best way to go. And in the long-term view – uh, Putin's doing nothing more than the Monroe Doctrine uh, that we yes. have here, yep. where, where we've yep. declared mm-hmm. that foreign interference in our hemisphere, <laughs> our whole hemisphere, is is off limits. You know, we're going to act. We, we we reserve the right to act. He's he's reserving. He's acting to demilitarize Ukraine, and hopefully it doesn't go any further than that. And that he does minimize. Uh, civilian casualties and just demilitarizes it, which is what we all sort of agreed to way back when, when the Soviet Union was imploding and we were taken down, we were reprocessing their nuclear weapons and we agreed not to move NATO to his doorstep. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. all in writing. It's all in writing. And and we violated that every way, every which way. So, uh, as he has pointed out. Right, right. And and Joel, you talked about you talked about Roosevelt and his uh, chumminess with the with the communists. You know, Joe McCarthy. You, you can't. It's hard to get worse than a, a worse a worse insult than to call somebody a McCarthyite, right? right. <laughs> McCarthyism. McCarthyism, right? <laughs> yes. But but you know, he said there was a communist under every rock and green tree. Oh, it turns out that he was right. He was right. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Here, you know, well, yeah. I mean, look at the records. FDR's administration was filled, filled with communists, with yeah. filled with them, yeah. and now we know that. Mm-hmm. And so, well, it's a great point that you make that when this when it was communists, everything was okay, 
And now that they're speaking anti-communist, now they're the bad now guys. Now they're the bad guys. And to Luke's point about the, uh, your point about the missile yeah. in the apartment, mm-hmm. uh, if you remember, uh, with Syria, Assad was the, was the, was the demon. Yeah. Assad, who, if you talk to any Syrian Christians, there's a bunch of them living around here, go talk to them. They love Assad. They say Assad is the best friend of Christianity in wow. Syria. I've talked to numerous of them. And, and, and so now it makes more sense why we kept on bombing his lights out. Yes, yeah. yes. And if you remember, one of the major news uh, or organizations had, had during, during what was going on over there, they had a, a, uh, a report with video of something being bombed or whatever in Syria, and it turned out to be a, a, an old video that they dug out of their files that was a, some chemical plant in Tennessee blowing up. <laughs> well, this, so this, you, you, right. like, like you say, Luke, you, you, it, it's one thing to try to navigate the the uh, the uh, ideological bias of, of the people in the news media, yeah. but it's another thing altogether when when they show you pictures of something yep. that they say is happening, you yeah. don't even know if it happened. Ruthann just shared Ruthann just shared um, a photo on the group chat we're in, and it's and it's six newspapers, and it's got a cover of the same woman on the front, all bandaged up. But that's a woman they've been using for like the last fifteen years. She's been around. She's an actress. You know, they 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 make her look like she's been the war torn. You know, right. put an apartment building behind her, right? And you uh, know, is, she, is she looking to her left, and there's like an apartment building behind her? Um, there's an apartment building behind her, but the uh, all the pictures I think of her are looking at the camera. Right, you're right. She's looking at the camera from, from, from left over her left shoulder. I if it's the I'm same one sure. I saw this morning on Facebook. Well, she, well, she yeah, she's a blonde woman, older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And she, and and some and and some people, some health professionals are saying like whoever. Banned Bandaged her up as a genius because in one photo she's got her head bandaged, in the other photo she's got her face bandaged, and they're like, "Wow, they healed it fast." I want to yeah. know who, how they did that, you know, and, and you know, and, and it's 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 the same woman they've used been using her face, I think, for a long time. And our moral outrage coming from people who yeah. went to, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, with Gaddafi, uh, yep. they said, "Oh, we came, we saw he died." Ha ha ha! And thought it was funny. Yeah. And thought it was funny. Yeah. That's funny, yeah. right? Yeah. And, 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 and the reason it all happened was because he, he was uh, using gold instead of the dollar. Absolutely. Um, I, I want to say something about the, the, the outrage and stuff like that and getting involved in war. There, there's something to be said. You know, a lot, a lot of the pietists, they bemoan Facebook and technology. But thanks to Facebook and Twitter, it's just going to be so much more difficult for these people to get America involved in a war they don't want to be involved in. Mm-hmm. It's going to be that much more difficult. They're not in control of the information like they used to be. Mm-hmm. And for them to say, yeah, let's get the Americans mad and, you know, war, 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 you know, those dirty Russians. You know, and, and then you got people just sharing one meme. One meme can destroy the narrative. One single meme. Yeah. One single episode of Joe Rogan interviewing somebody yes. can destroy billions and billions of dollars of uh, marketing by drug companies, pharmaceutical companies, and vaccine companies. It can destroy that. And I, 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 you can say, you can even point to Joe Rogan's interviews, and suddenly the narrative just flopped drastically. It was already flopping. It was going to flop eventually. But, he, I mean, he just he just shot a, a, a horse with a broken leg. Right. And they and they tried to censor it, but it was like playing whack a Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. It's going to pop up somewhere. It's just, you know, everyone's, oh, the problem with, oh, my goodness, social media. It's so wicked. We're so lazy. We're so, we have such horrible problems. But, brother, let me tell you something. If, if, if it means that we're going to avoid a war where thousands of innocent people die for no freaking reason other than a politician wants to make a good trade deal or he wants to make himself look great or, you know, people want to sell a lot of product that doesn't normally sell well unless there's a war, then it's all worth it. I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's worth it. It's all worth it. If anybody is uh, interested in, in reading more about uh, what, what I was talking about with Vladimir Putin, and I hope you are, uh, Peter Hammond has excellent resource on that. Yeah. If you go to uh, DuckDuckGo and type in the failure of atheism and the triumph of faith in Russia, hmm. you'll come up with a bunch of hits. Uh, one of them actually will be a YouTube video of a presentation that he did for us some years ago in Reading. It's about an hour long, well worth watching, but he has a bunch of other resources on that too. Uh, He's actually addressed this issue too. He actually has a video about this issue, Ukraine and Russia. Yes, yeah. yes, it's specifically about this. The materials that I used here today were from other sources because I think it's just good to reach out beyond our own circles for for information, but, but all, all this is in his materials, and, and uh, it's very, very fascinating and enlightening stuff. It's interesting that uh, Peter ended up, Peter was in the military in South Africa when they were fighting in Angola mm -hmm. for their survival, right? Because the, the communists, uh, backed by the Soviet Union at that time, uh, were intent on wiping out South Africa and, t and taking over uh, with, with the communist uh, revolution there. And so he's, he, he knows whereof he speaks. He fought the Soviets, but now he's, I don't know if he's a fan of Putin, but he sees clearly the difference yeah. between what they were yeah. and what they are. Yes. Yeah. At definitely an yeah. attitude shift, and especially uh, any communist worth his salt, as we see here in America, or a socialist, would never require the Gulag Archipelago to be read. No, they would never require no. that. If that's required reading in Russia, then 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 something's on the up and so, up. Something's going on. Yeah, something's yeah. going on because and, and I mean I, I would never, you know, uh, uh, as a socialist, say. By the way, now that we're in control of the schools, let's have everyone realize what the danger is when we start controlling the schools. I would never do that. <laughs> right. I would never do that. That cause them to think about government control. I mean, that book absolutely condemns government control. And uh, that 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 to me, it's it's almost like arguments over, almost. Like how how could you possibly? Good point. How could you possibly, as a communist, require that book, a death knell to communism and socialism, to be read by the schools when it specifically states in the Communist Manifesto, we need to control what these people are thinking because if we don't control them, then they're going to have the ability to see that we're frauds. Yeah. If you if you ask anybody over fifty. Uh, or a lot of people under 50 also, obviously. Uh, what's the most, off the top of your head, what's the most anti-communist book uh, worldwide that you know of? They're going to say the Gulag Archipelago. Yeah, right up there with 1984 and, and Animal Farm. And the Bible. Yeah, Lord willing. <laughs> Lord willing, they say the Bible. <laughs> well, folks, that's the uh, Think and Reform podcast. Uh, Jim, John, Joel, and yours truly, Luke, say thank you so much for listening. We encourage you to keep uh, the uh, our motto, keep thinking about our motto, think and reform, and pray that you guys go out into the world and view everything with a biblical lens. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.